Welcome to Backlist and Chill. I'm Ollie from near Philadelphia. I'm Senna from Ohio. And we are Backlist and Chill, where we read old books that we probably liked at some point, <laughs> and then we drink, often because of them, but mm-hmm. also because it's the podcast. Yes, that's the chill part. We try to go through an author's entire backlist. Uh... We've run into the problem where we keep picking authors who have very long backlists. So that has been a thing where now we kind of have to split them up into different series and sections and such. This is our second uh, series by Amelia Atwater Rhodes. Previously, we discussed uh, Amelia's books in season two, where we chatted about the Den of Shadows. Let's preface this with, this is our second take. Yeah, I did a fuck-up. It's okay, I previously had done a fuck-up, so it was your turn. Yeah, it's true. I have one and you have one, and now it will never happen again. (laughs) Ever. Ever again. Never, ever. So, this is the second time we're talking about Hawk Song. Mm -hmm. We recorded this previously uh, a week ago, Mm -hmm. and that means we've had a week to think about our issues. And a week to read the book again, which I did. Yes, it's true. I did not, because... I had other things that I had previously committed to, Mm -hmm. but I got to enjoy your (laughs) rereading of it. So we've got an extra week of being irritated (laughs) and you discovering more interesting things in the book. Second important note coming into this episode, literally only like an hour ago, Mm -hmm. you and I watched Blood and Chocolate the movie. Yeah, we did, unfortunately, huh? Extremely. So we're a little riled up about how anger-inducing that movie is. It's really bad. It's worse than you think. Right? Like, we've discussed, um, most recently, we we rediscussed Blood and Chocolate, and there's a lot wrong with it, even though we love it. But Mm -hmm. what we love about it is Vivian. Mm -hmm. And the entire movie just declaws Vivian so hard and like makes Aiden worse and makes the misogyny worse that it's just like what the fuck Mm -hmm. so take everything we didn't like about the book amplify it you know turn it up to 11 and then take everything we liked and like turn it down super muted and that's the movie and give it a nice uh low production budget and a thin veneer of underworld and then you have the blood and chocolate movie that's it, and that's what you have, and that's how you and I end up discussing Amelia Atwater Rose's Hawk Song today. <laughs> yeah. So, so, sorry. Right? I wish that we could say really wonderful things about this book. I really tried. During my second reread, I really tried to identify my problems with it and, like, try to find, like, a way to enjoy it and, like, see it from the perspectives of people who we've heard, you know, say, like, why they like it and stuff, and I I tried. Yeah. In general, this is a really big nostalgia read for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, this was a really important book for a lot of people, and, and series as well. So it's like, I don't want anyone to feel badly about just going, well, I just really like it and the characters. That's fine. You and mm-hmm. me did that with Blood, Blood and Chocolate. Yes, yes. So yeah, if you if you are ready to sit down and listen to us tell you um, a lot of things that we found wrong in this book and that you will then never be able to unsee, <laughs> come join us. 
or stuff that you might not give a shit about. <laughs> true. That's true. So, Other people might be like, eh, yeah, I don't, care. don't care. Still like it. <laughs> um, like you said, this was a nostalgia read. I have been re-editing our introduction to the Keisha Ra to post on Patreon. And I heard the joy in your voice when you were talking about Hawk Song. Like, this is us saying that, like, when we started rereading the series, we were like, no, guys, this is the good one. This is the good one. (laughs) This is the good one. And then we reread the book and we're like, oh, no, we don't like it anymore. (laughs) Yeah, that is the hardest part. I don't like this book anymore. (laughs) It is a bummer. I know the first time we discussed it, there was a lot of stuff that we just straight up didn't remember. And that was a surprise to be like, oh, wow. Like, if I had remembered, I probably wouldn't have liked this as much as I did. So. (laughs) Definitely. So, part of the backlist and chill is the chill. Mm -hmm. So, I'm drinking, shocking no one, absinthe. And unlike everyone in Blood and Chocolate the movie, (laughs) I'm not lighting mine on fire. Uh, I called this a hawk's keep last time uh-huh. we recorded. So this is two parts ginger ale, one part absinthe. And this time as well, unlike the last weekend, it's cold enough because I just mixed it. Yeah. So that's how you differentiate between an undeath in the afternoon and a hawk's keep. The hawk's <laughs> keep is cold. Cold. <laughs> undeath in the afternoon, you kind of have to don't want it. <laughs> <laughs> how about you? That. What you got there? I am also drinking the same thing as last time. I got uh, a drink called a Golden Dream, which is orange juice, triple sec, vanilla vodka, and cream. And it is very yummy. Is it still a delicious orange creamsicle? It is. I put even more cream in it this time, so it's even like foamier and creamier. It's very good. Oh, man. Sounds amazing. I want to turn it into like slushies. Okay. So I'm going to read the blurb. You can do it. Danica Chardet is an avian shapeshifter, and the golden hawk's form in which she takes to the sky is as natural to her as the human one that graces her on land. The only thing more familiar to her is war. It has raged between her people and the Serpiente for so long, no one can remember how the fighting began. All they know is hatred, fear, and endless years of bloodshed, and Danica is tired of it. As heir to the avian throne, she'll do anything in her power to stop this war, even except Zane Cobriana, the terrifying leader of her kind's greatest enemy, as her pair bond, and make the two royal families one. Now Danica must convince her people that Zane is as committed to peace as she is, though she can't help fearing that, despite his word, he will strike as swiftly and lethally as the cobra that is his second form. Among the Serpiente, she'll have to pretend to be in love, though when they're alone, her reserve threatens to keep her and Zane worlds apart. And in their midst are dissenters who will do whatever it takes to destroy this union. Trust. It is all Zane asks of Danica, and all they ask of their people, but it may be more than she can give. Sounds accurate. Yep. This is the most accurate synopsis Mm -hmm. of a book that we have probably read. It is, however, uh, something I dislike, where that is, like, the majority of the book right there. It's a synopsis. It's mm-hmm. what you use to sell the publisher on this book. It's not where they end up at the one-third or one-quarter mark. And you know how much I hate that. <laughs> I do. I, I also know that 
I I think it would be very difficult to pitch because this book is so short that the it first is super short. The first third is not the second third, which is not the third third. I feel like it would be very hard to pitch this book, you know, on non-spoilery territory because then you would think, oh, this book is about two people learning how to end a war, and that's not really what it's which about. Which would be great. Like I feel like if the first third was the second and the third third. That would be yes. a totally fine book, and then the second and third thirds of the actual book should be the second and third books. Right, right. Like, a lot of time passes, a lot of territory gets covered in this novel, this 250-page novel. I know. That doesn't have enough time, and so that's where you end up with this blurb that is a synopsis, even though it is very correct. Yeah, but, you know, what are you going to do? You got to sell it. You got to make that... $15? I mean, this was only... I'm, I've got a paperback right here. Mm-hmm. $5.99. Oh, actually, you're right. I do have a copy. Mine uh, was $10. I have the hardcover. The hardcover? Yeah. Right? Whole book for $10. Bucks. Whole book I know. for 6 bucks. Those days. Anyway, I'm going to smell the book. Doesn't smell like book. Nope, neither does mine. Nope, does not smell like book. Something happened... Around Midnight Predator, we established this. Yep. That book stopped smelling right. I don't even think it's gonna ever smell right if it's no. been 20 years almost. Right, and you know, I assume both of ours have been sitting amongst other books. Like, Yeah, for sure. They've had time to learn to acquire that book smell and they've refused. Right, it was like, oh, mm, what if I just didn't? Thanks anyway. I'm not like other books. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you tell us about the cover? I will. This is another Cliff Nielsen joint. Uh, its primary image is a big old black hawk, and under one wing is a blue tinted... It's weird, because she's a golden hawk. Oh, yeah, I know. It is a little strange, huh? Mm. But uh, under one wing is a blue-tinted picture of Zane. Under the other wing is a gold-tinted picture of Danica. Then up at the top, the title Hawk Song in a kind of you know, foil gold font. And then above that, Amelia Atwater Rhodes, author of Midnight Predator, as has previously been discussed. This is not Cliff Nielsen's best work. I think the colors are a little muddied for my taste. And as we have also previously discussed, that picture of Zane gets reused over and over and over again in this this series, and it's terrible. Yeah. He looks like a red-eyed zombie. He looks like red-eyed Aubrey. That too, that too. I would love to do a, a side-by-side comparison because he just, like, same-looking nose, same-looking lips, like... And it's really unfortunate because Danica, even though, like, barely there that we get to see of her, she's beautiful. Yeah, it's a good like, picture. Right? Make her front and center. Yeah. So, not my favorite cover, but it's still pretty. Yeah, it's still Cliff Nielsen, you know. Yeah, which is way better than it could be. All right, let's talk about the plot. So it's been a week since I read this book. Okay. We're just gonna fudge it. This book <laughs> is about, uh, it's from the perspective of Danica Charday. She is 17? No, I think she's older than that. 18? She She's late teens, not yet 20. And her people are a matriarchal society. Uh, her younger brother dies in the like opening scene in a battle where a young serpent prince also dies. And Danica is like, this has to stop. <laughs> and rather than do anything about it, uh, the serpents send somebody instead. So Danica is all, you know, internal talk. And the serpents send 
Zane Cobriana's younger sister, Irene, and she's like, we want to meet in the land of the tigers so that the tigers will, like, solve our problems. <laughs> People have gone to the tigers for generations. The generations? Who? Who has gone, Irene? That's a good question. Is it, like, the deer and the foxes were having a fight and they went to the tigers? Like The bats were pissed off at the wolves? Yeah, I don't know. We don't know. It's not mentioned. It's just that the tigers are good at solving problems and we'll never see them again in the entire series. <laughs> So the birds are like, cool, uh, we can fly faster than you can run on your horses, so uh, race ya. <laughs> Yet somehow the snakes are there, even though, and this is just a minor quibble, but like, even though it was like, if they left as soon as Irene got back, they might make it on time. And yet they get there and the snakes are already there. So, like, did the snakes set off already? Like, I don't know. Well, no, because, like, if you're a bird and you know that you can fly there, then you're, you know, you're going to kick back. You're going to wait those extra five minutes. You're like, I got time. <laughs> I'm going to wait three days. So they all get there and they talk to the, the tigers and the tigers are like, who should I talk to? And the queen of the serpents, the naga, is like, my son will be king soon, so you should talk to him. Uh, and the current queen of the birds is like, my daughter shall soon be queen, you should talk to her. And they go, whoa, 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 hold up, let me get this straight. Neither of you is married? Solved, you should marry. <laughs> and everybody freaks the fuck out, and they're like, alright, get out of our fucking tent, chill out, come back tomorrow. And then we have the first of many opportunities for Andreos, the captain of the guard, to fucking suck at his job. <laughs> It's true. He only gets worse upon rereading. Mm -hmm. He doesn't notice Zane sneak into Danica's room at the, the Mastari camp, the tigers. And her and Zane talk, and then Zane gets, like, found out that he's there, and he, like, kisses Danica because he doesn't view consent as anything except for sex. <laughs> he's all about consent, ladies. When it comes to fucking. Only for penetration. Kisses, touches, and other intimate acts are all cool without permission. Totally fine. Serpents are all used to that shit. Right. So <laughs> All the other serpents say it's okay. So it's okay to do it to a hawk. <laughs> so why would I think about your culture, Danica? And, uh, you know, another opportunity for Ray to suck at his job. He, he can't do anything because he's, like, looked a snake in the eye. Oh, no. Mm -hmm. And... Mom finds out that Danica wants to have the conversation about, well, let's hear out the tigers. I'm willing to go and talk with Zane. And Mom is like, the fuck you say? I'm still queen. Peace out. We, we all fly We're back home. We're going home. We're going home. I don't want to think about you touching a snake. Ew, I already <laughs> kissed you. <laughs> We're going to have to scrub your lips when we get back to the keep. No one will want you. <laughs> no one will want you. You've been sullied. Which is basically how they treat any kind of interactions like that. So, um, what happens next? So they get back to the keep. Danica has plot convenient lucid dreams. Uh, oh, fuck. That's right. I hate the lucid dream. An unspecified amount of time passes between when they get back and when more plot happens. So this, this book is very fast and loose with its timeline. And yet months get covered. Yeah, ugh, we'll talk about it. But so Danica uh, has a lucid dream where she thinks she's talking to Zane and he sneaks into her room because Andreos sucks at his job. Somebody, somebody fire him. And like, is Andreos the best? Is he like the best you have? 
Because that's worrisome. How are you all still alive? No, that is my number one question coming out of this. Because the snakes are so much better at like intrigue and war than the hawks are. But for some reason, they're at a stalemate. Okay. Okay, I guess so. I mean, I think the only way that the birds have survived is because as we find out later, the falcons are providing them with poison. But like, if the poison kills every snake it touches, like, I don't know why the snakes are even bothering. Like, just back the fuck up. Right, so here's my headcanon. Every time somebody has, like, has tried to sneak into the keep and, like, gotten past all the guards with murderous intent, a falcon falls out of the sky and murders them. (laughs) So because they they don't sense any murderous intent. Well, but Zane admits that he went there with murderous intent when she was 15 after his sister died. Ah, but for plot reasons, they knew about the boner that he had. So it's fine. Okay, for plot reasons, they were like, no, no, no. Oh, wait, I got it. I got it. It's okay because she still had, there were other people who could take over. There were other heirs. Yes, you're right. The Falcons weren't super worried about it yet. Yeah, fair. Okay, anyway, Zane visits Danica in her bedroom. She thinks she's dreaming. He kisses her without consent again. He reiterates his offer to, like, find a way to make peace and invites her to come to his castle. Danica, question mark, transitions into another dream, even though she's walking around and interacting with Zane. Okay. I loved getting your message about that. You're just like, I slipped into another dream. Like, how, girl? You're standing. <laughs> literally standing up. He's literally touching and kissing you. But she falls into another dream anyway. Whatever. And she, like, forgets about his thing for, like, three days. Yeah. She, so, like, her coronation time comes. It's not her coronation day yet. It's tomorrow. Right. She's looking for stuff under her bed. She finds Zane's ring. And she's like, oh, shit, that wasn't a dream. Oh, my gosh. So she goes to visit Zane because she wants to see if there's really a chance at peace. Which, like, good on you, Danica, that you're like, I'm going to do everything I can. But, like, fuck you, Ray. You're so bad at your job. (laughs) He really is. She slips out, like, just without anybody knowing. She flies into Serpiente lands and nobody stops her. Nobody sees a golden hawk flying and is like, where the fuck is her guard? I know. Where are the guards? She talks about like, oh, they won't let me walk the battlefields anymore. They've imprisoned me in my apartment. But like, clearly they haven't. Yeah, seriously. Like, you would think that there would be sparrows and hawks and ravens and shit in all of the trees who are then like, Andreas, Andreas, the fucking princess (laughs) just flew towards the Serpiente lands. Do you think she's going to go, I don't know, offer her neck? Right. Or they're like, flap, 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 flap. Princess, where are you going? Yeah. Hey, let me go too. How about I follow you? No, the birds are supremely incompetent. Uh, they're only when they need to be, because otherwise they're like up Danica's butt. Yeah, that too. So she escapes. She goes to Serpiente Land. She's roughly taken to meet Zane. She's taken by two white vipers. This will become important later. Right. The captain of the guard and the, and her brother, uh, Adelina and Alpe. I think it's Alpe. Okay. So they take her to Zane. Zane is very concerned for her well-being. They talk. Zane proposes again because that's the only way they can think of to make peace. And also this is kind of a romance novel. So we kind of need them to do this. <laughs> it's tagged as a romance novel. So like we got to like do fake married, I guess. I mean, that is kind of uh, upon reread. That is kind of the primary focus of this book. Like I feel like even more so the politics fall to the side. Yeah. It's very much about, like, what positions can we put these characters in so that they have to be romantic with one another? They have to pretend to like each other until suddenly we tell you they like each other. It's, it really is. So anyway, Danica accepts. 
she uh, goes back to her keep to be announced queen. Yes. Talithea. Yes. And then she's going to come back to the serpents to be announced as Dane's Naga. Dane? Zane. As Zane's <laughs> Naga. Uh, she does that and she's introduced to Serpiente people for the first time and she kind of it gets to know them as a people and not objects of hatred. Right. And see that they're beings. Uh, so she takes Zane back to the keep to announce him as her Alistair. She does. Her mom's angry. The rest of the court has their feathers ruffled. But nobody outright rebels. <laughs> right? <laughs> like... She, oh my god. Continue, continue. <laughs> uh, a few paragraphs pass in which we're told about the single solitary rebellion that we're going to see in this book. And they just, they just gloss over it because it's really not what this book is about. They're like, well, whatever it takes to make peace happen, I don't even fucking care. <laughs> so it's just like, how did they not end this war already if A, the people are absolutely loyal to the monarchs and B, the monarchs didn't want to keep fighting? Like, I'll why tell is this? You why. Because this is fucking propaganda. <laughs> this is classist bullshit propaganda <laughs> that, that doesn't think about the actual issues of the lower class. Nobody's lower class. We're all on equal footing except our king and our queens. Like, it's all good. We're just all dancers and shit. <laughs> That's for the serpents. The hawk's keep is literally like, hey, here's the castle where all of the upper class people live. And then I guess the poor is just live in the village or whatever. But where's the village? We are never even shown a village. We're never told. I look down at my people. Like, it's not like um a regular castle, right? Where mm -hmm. you've got your, your castle and then you've got your, your town and the walls around the town or something. Like, it's not even based on a European style mm -hmm. castle and village and whatnot it's just like the way it's described it sounds like a fucking monolith in the middle of a goddamn field right i just picture like a very tall rook yes 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 same 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 but it's just like here's here's an eight story tall building the first story is open and i don't know where the pores live elsewhere i guess anyway uh, so there's a brief rebellion. It's one paragraph. Nobody cares. In the interim, Danica and Zane spend time with one another. Presumably, we're meant to think that they fall in love. They don't really. Yeah, the, this gets like tagged as enemies to lovers. It's not. <laughs> it is. It just takes place over a single paragraph. <laughs> the like last fucking chapter. I don't know. I, I can't call something enemies to lovers. If you're just telling me suddenly it happens. Oh, I, I tracked that shit this time because okay, we had talked about last time. You know, I was like highlighting every instance. I'm like, what percentage of the book is this? You know? Mm -hmm. So um, I think I really think the only important thing that happens is like Danica spends a lot of time at the Serpent Palace getting to know Zane's people. Presumably, Zane spends time at Hawk's Keep, but that's not important because we never focus on it. Right. The avians are definitely done dirty as far as their culture being revealed in this book. Yeah. It seems kind of clear that even though we're supposed to think that they have equal faults and equal merits, they don't actually. It's mostly like serpent's good, Hawk's too many sticks up their butt. Yeah. Danica gets to know Zane and we find out that Zane is 
sort of cheating. He's he's like making out with the captain making of his guard. Out. Yeah. Who it gets, you know, like clear that like she, like Ray, would have previously been announced as the royal couple. Right. There's an extended sequence where Danica is told Zane is so lonely, Zane Ball's so blue. <laughs> right? His sister and his mom are just like, he's just so, so lonely, Danica. That's not normal. Because it's kind of a romance novel. Um, and I say that and not in intention to be derogatory, just in, to clarify like what the primary purpose of this book is. Because it is a romance novel, there's a lot of focus on, oh, you have to touch him so that the Serpiente people believe that you're in love, otherwise they'll never follow you. So Danica, even though you've been enemies your entire life, you need to like physically touch this man, even though it makes you uncomfortable, because that's right. how you, you know, that's how you do the sexy. This isn't about politics. This is about making the audience, and we're the audience, believe that this is a romance. Oh my god, that just occurred to me. As much as Danica and Zane need to convince the Serpiente that they are in love, the book needs to convince us, and it's a sham. Right, well, and it's they're trying to serve us those squee-like moments, right? Where you're like, oh, she has to touch him, she has to kiss him. Like, the problem is that just because of the writing and, and some other things, it just doesn't really work. Yeah. So we, you know, we're told that Danica needs to touch Zane a lot, that the Serpiente are a lot more touchy-feely, that for for the sake of plot, uh, she has to be more familiar with him than she would normally. And then we're told that uh, because the Serpiente are never alone, even when they're children, they sleep in big old puppy piles, you know, that Danica and Zane... And we're never shown this. That's the other thing I noticed. We're never shown the distance between Zanica and Zane because when they're together, when we see scenes of them together, they're scenes that are intended to be romantic. So there's always some... She's always like hugging him or he's got his arm around her waist. Right. Or they're always trying to. Like they're yeah. they're always trying to touch and kiss. And we don't actually see the scenes where Danica rejects Zane the way that we're told that she does. That is a fair point. So you get this explanation of Zane's so lonely, you know, he sleeps by himself at night. He has to jerk it. He hasn't done that in so long, you know. <laughs> Adelina tells him, Zane, you weren't meant to be alone. You're too beautiful. You're so lonely. And it's just like, my king, let me suck your dick for you. <laughs> and Zane's there like, no, no, I must endure the celibacy for the sake of my vows. It's just... A lot of stuff designed to guilt whip Danica into feeling bad for not fucking Zane. Yeah, the, the constant shame thrown on her. Right. Or or just not being instantly comfortable with this right. man who's been her enemy her entire her life. Her whole life. Her whole family is dead because of his people. Like, come on. Right. And like, theoretically, Zane has that same problem. But we're told from the get-go that Zane has literally always had a boner for Danica. So it's not a problem <laughs> for him. There's like a line where he's like, Danica, if it was just your body, this wouldn't be a problem. And it's like, whoa. Right? And we, okay. as previously alluded to, he snuck into the keep when she was like 15 and was like, I was going to murder you, but that ass. That ass. I couldn't think of removing such beauty from this world. Right? He pulls a yaksha. 
For those of you who haven't read The Last Vampire, you can go check out our Halloween special. (laughs) Yes, please. It's linked in the top corner. (laughs) But the point is that Dane has, or Dane, God, Zane has always wanted to fuck Danica, and Danica has literally never even considered this. (laughs) And that's the goddamn problem. And it really is because the book is trying to make Danica feel bad for not being comfortable with Zane when it should be a slow burn and we should see it and we shouldn't just yeah. be told it in montage. Right. I wish that she was like, whew, damn, he is an attractive man. Wow. If I was not raised to be so not thinking about those things, I might be having some some hot thoughts. <laughs> There is exactly one instance of Danica showing any sort of lust towards Zane. And it's the night after uh, when she's announced as Naga, when they sleep in the same bed, uh, because Zane asks and Danica literally says that she's too exhausted to hurt his feelings by saying no. Oh my god. I'm so exhausted. If I hurt your feelings, it's gonna like make me even more exhausted. Yeah. Fine. It's, right. Ugh, there's only one bed, I guess. Anyway. <laughs> Except that you've got your own whole apartment next door. He literally does. But we're doing that trope. Anyway. So she wakes up the next morning and Zane doesn't have a shirt on and she like checks out his body and blushes. And that's the single and only time Danica displays any sort of physical lust towards Zane. Yeah, I'm going to go with Danica's probably not sex repulsed, but she definitely comes across as extremely ace. And whether that was culturally ingrained in her or not, the fact that internally she's not like, I mustn't, suggests that she just doesn't fucking think about it. Like, she doesn't think about sex or Zane being sexy or even Ray or yes. her previous, um, they call it Alistair, the, the person who is like betrothed, basically. Her previously betrothed Vasily, she never talks about him as like, and he was so strong and handsome. And I just, I always wanted to, I looked forward to the day when we could, you know, hold hands. <laughs> like, <laughs> she doesn't think about her sex and her sexuality. She absolutely doesn't. And I think that that's part of the problem in trying to sell this as a romance. Like it wouldn't be like if it were trying to be like an ace romance, then I feel like the author would do other things to communicate Danica's like emotional development for Zane. But it doesn't even do that. To be like, I'm not sexually interested in you. This is an ace romance. I am romantic. But the romance and the sexuality get conflated and like are paired together where it's just like, well, I guess if I kiss you, I must be romantically interested in you. Right. And even that comes at the very last minute. Um, So anyway, as Danica is trying to resolve this rift in her relationship with Zane that we're only told about and never shown. Zane is attacked by an assassin. Danica goes to defend him and Danica is wounded uh, in such a way that she goes in and out of consciousness for a few days. It's always a good thing to have happen to your main character. I know. It's such a, it'll come back. Twice. She has this happen to her twice. In one fucking book. Oh my god, Ollie. So there there are two scenes that Danica gets before she's injured and this happens again. They go back to (laughs) Hawk's Keep where she has that scene where, um, Adelina catches her sort of hugging, almost kind of kissing Ray, but like it wouldn't have happened. I think like Ray kisses her and like Adelina doesn't even see her kissing him. 
Right. She just catches uh, Danica in Ray's arms and assumes that it's the same as it is with her and Zane. And then we get a scene of Danica dancing the Namir Da with Zane in the sinkhole during the Serpiente Festival. And then Danica gets shot again. (laughs) (laughs) And mind you... We're like 85% of the way into the book and the conflict, like the the conflict that is going to be resolved to end the book is just now showing up. Yeah, because people have not been like, like you said, this book, everyone is so loyal to their monarchs that the fact that there's only these two instances of assassination attempts is utterly unbelievable because it's not the plot though well there's even a line um um oh no it's during the festival it's how she escapes to go be like to go to the naga ceremony she's, oh yeah to become queen i loved how she fucking just i'm the queen now and i'm gonna disappear for 24 plus hours right like her her friend literally tells her oh it's the day of the festival and the hawks like the guard don't guard the queen at the festival because she's among her own people and they'll keep her safe and i'm like so you don't ever worry about internal assassins what kind of court is this you only think that the snakes are gonna do it like i look at this and think to myself is she just a figurehead (laughs) because that's the way you treat her you treat her like oh no we must have the queen is protected we all love the queen like i would have liked to have seen the court that's always being talked about the nebulous court. We don't know what the fuck they are. We don't know if they're they're royals or what. They're just the court and they're musicians and scholars and magic and who cares? Like, if the court was the ones that were running things, like, it's alluded to that in previous generations, the court basically ran the queen. Like, why not this generation? Not the court. It's the council of generals. Oh, the council of generals. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, but still, like, if if it was clear that, like, that's nice, sweetie, sit down. If, If it was more like that, that could have been more interesting and why she had an excuse to be like i am the queen now and i can disappear for a day and nobody will think anything also my people love me because i'm just a beautiful hawk yeah it's it's wild to me it it feels very like there's no complexity to this this it's very idealized very much so i would agree with that where everybody who's in a particular court is absolutely loyal to the queen and even if they do like dissident things it's all in service of the queen and anyway yeah yeah it's a serpiente festival danica is uh shot with a an avian arrow from a serpiente bow Uh, which i don't even understand how that would fucking work oh there's okay we'll get to it okay Zane's mom uh, steps in front of the arrow, basically, and saves Danica. The two of them are injured. Danica has another montage of waking up and falling asleep. But Zane's always at her side. Zane's mother dies because the arrow had the avian poison on it. And it's in this, I'm going to say like 90 to 93% where we're meant to think that they actually fall in love because the scene before Danica being shot is Danica with Ray saying, I don't love Zane. I don't trust him. I would like to, but I do not at this literal moment that we are talking, take this down, somebody notarize it. (laughs) I don't trust Zane at all. And this is after she's been shot the first time and Zane has like been at her bedside. So like they've had time to bond. So clearly it wasn't him being helpful to her while she was sick the first time. We had to try it one more time. (laughs) Yeah, the first time didn't stick. Let's do it again. 
So, um, yeah, she, she passes out. She wakes up. She's very weak. It's hard for her to walk and stuff. And Zane is, is there, you know, he shows vulnerability because he cries because his mom died. And as you put it last time we talked about it, they trauma bond. Yes. But there's still not really a sense of them falling in love because A, it's all montage. And B, the next time it comes up, they just sort of say that they're in love. Yeah. I opened up to the page of uh, Ray asking, do you love him? The question startled me. No, I did not need to think about the answer, which sounded so brutal that I needed to add, I do not hate him anymore, but love. I believe he deserves love, but I don't know if I can be the one to give it to him. Right. That's on page 215. She's so emphatic about it. Like, it's not even like she's deceiving herself or something. She's being 100% upfront. No, I don't love this guy. And it's like, good, you shouldn't. Right. There's no need. You don't have to. It's okay. It, you can take more time. You don't have to love him just because we're at the end of the book and you need to love him for this to work. <laughs> and I think that's what it is. Oh, shit. We're at the end of the book. I guess we're in love. It, that is really what it feels like. She falls in love with him in the montage, but we don't see it. We just, she comforts him when he cries. They cuddle. He displays like devotion to her and she sort of softens towards him but we're just meant to interpret that as romantic love right as opposed to just i give a shit about this person plus also like okay let's let's think about this zane just lost his mother his wife slash queen who is also his enemy still tech like they're not really but if she fucking dies he has another war on his hands Mm -hmm. nobody ever points that out he could be at her side having fucking meltdowns because one, oh, sure, fine, Zane. I believe that you've, you know, fallen in care with this person. Mm-hmm. But also, you know that the wars will be back if the fucking Tulithea dies in your bed. And that's, you know, that's a perfectly valid reason to try to soften towards a person. But yeah, but yeah, no. So like the, literally the scene where she catches him crying, which is like the second one that we get after she's injured. She basically just is like, come sleep with me because you're, I, I want to like heal your pain. Right. And, and by sleep, dear listener, we mean fall asleep. Yes. Right. And then he tries to kiss her and she literally says, I don't know why, but I don't know why not. I don't see why I shouldn't kiss him. And then they kiss again. And like the second time she they kiss, she says, I saw no reason to withhold. <laughs> As if withholding was what she was doing. She was never like, I must hold back even though you are my husband. It's inappropriate. Right. It's just, it's not enthusiastic consent. It's not Ooh. like. Yes. So then for me reading it, I'm like, okay, I'm not really feeling the romance from Danica's side of it. I'm just feeling a sort of ambivalence from her. Sort of meh. Okay, I guess so. That's fine. And then there's a montage of like a week. And then at the end of that week, they're very like touchy feely huggy. Like it's not even a montage. She literally just says a week passes. And then the (laughs) next time you see them together, they're like, "Mm, hey, sweetie, how you doing? I'm going to cuddle with you. You know, I think it's a really bad. I hate to say that we're bad, but I do think it's bad message for the like 14 year olds who are reading this book to be like, yeah, you know protect this person while they're like sick and you know that's when you should fall in love with them and they should fall in love with you and and that's it trauma bond Mm -hmm. that's a good thing yeah i just think for me it feels like a a cliff notes version of like a 
some traditional like romancy tropes, you know, like, oh, take care of them when they're injured and you'll see their vulnerability and that will finally like let you into them and that's how you bond and, and like. Right, right. As if you don't know this person. Like, I, I find it really weird. Like, ro- love and romance is weird to me, right? So, because <laughs> I, I suck at it. <laughs> but like, what is knowing someone? What is caring for someone? Like, you can just choose to try to get to know someone. You can choose to be like, okay, I, I accept you for who you are. You don't have to be like, <sighs> Zane's always like, Danica, you keep hiding from me with your avian reserve. It's like, you're not even there. Uh, Like, you can just like each other. That's fine. You can just do that. You don't have to be vulnerable. <laughs> but then where's the conflict, Ollie? The conflict is in... I like this girl. I think she's pretty, but she's also like, I have to be aware of the fact that she's got generals who would come to fucking avenge her death, even if it wasn't my fault. Right. No, what I'm, I, there is definitely a a better written story that you can do where these characters aren't as reluctant to be with one another as they are. I'm just saying that like. Sure. Like I would have loved that. I would have loved for Danica and Zane to have like met each other on the battlefield once before and like have fought and, you know, like have had a history and things like that. And then been like, but I don't know. I always find them super hot. (laughs) Well, I mean, yeah, that's another way that you could do it. But what I'm would like to try to communicate to, you know, as as far as like, I get what she's trying to do. I, I recognize the tropes that she's trying to invoke. I've seen them executed in other romance novels. And like, I, I get the cliff notes here. But the problem is that in other romance novels, they're more developed. Right. It, it doesn't take place over the course of like three pages. Not even just that. It, it's just... Well, I mean, no, you're right. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 there's moments for the characters to express their internal emotions, and those emotions are not ambivalence. Like that's the number one thing, right? Like you said, uh, I saw no reason not to like acquiesce to this kiss. Like that's a glowing fucking review there, Danica. <laughs> right. Um, three stars. No reason not to kiss him. You know, like you could kiss him. When she saw her with a, when she saw Adelina with Zane, she could have been like seeing him with another woman just like enraged me and made me realize how much I wanted those to be my lips and I could if I just like got over myself. Right. To express that. Because there are a couple of times where where she's like, oh, Adelina's going to be here. But then she just says the words and there's never like, you know, just this this twinge of jealousy. It's never like right, that. It's, it's more her feeling badly that she knows that Adelina's in love with him and he's in love with her. And that she has, you know, by making peace, she's in the way in that kind of regard. Like, she's she's never like, I'm jealous about Adelina, that, you know, B word. No, she's just like, oh, shit, this is super uncomfortable. Right. So, uh, you know, a week passes. Uh, Adelina pulls Danica aside and apologizes to her because she realizes now that Zane cares more for Danica than he ever cared for her. Which I think is just Adelina being like, oh, wow, Zane has to actually chase someone. Or Adelina being like, hmm, this relationship is really important to the stability of my kingdom. Maybe I should butt the fuck out. Wouldn't that have been great? Plus, also, as previously discussed, like royals have mistresses and secret lovers all the fucking time like i get it if she gets pregnant it's gonna be a cobriana because cobriana's breed true because fucking (laughs) genetics but like 
I don't know, use some fucking protection. <laughs> it, it would be really nice if they could at least acknowledge that even if they don't love one another, that they should be allowed to love other people. I don't know. They yeah. Everybody acts like because they're married, like they'll never be able to like find true happiness with somebody that they really care about. And it's like, well, they could if everybody would stop being such a fucking dick about it. Right? Like, like this this time period... The idea of falling in love with this person who you are in a political marriage, plus also the whole idea of the Serpiente being like, we won't accept a political marriage. <laughs> like, well, you haven't tried anything else, you fucking jerks. <laughs> God. So, like, literally right after that, Dane and Zanica go back. They they are... Dane and Zanica. Dane and... <laughs> Oh my god, yep. I don't know why, but it, it happens a lot. I'm sorry. Anyway. We're gonna write, like, fanfic, and it's gonna be Dane, <laughs> Dane and Danica. <laughs> I love that. So, Zane and Danica go back. They're literally about to fuck for the first time. and then, Oh my god, you're right. <laughs> and then they're interrupted because somebody just had to confess to a fucking assassination right as they were about to get it wet. What kind of young adult romance is this? I know. Uh, Ollie, if you would uh, do this. Are we Adelina and Carl? Yes, please. It's so ridiculous. Okay, so they're interrupted as they're about to fuck. Um, They're told that that by Ray that they found the assassins and that the assassins are Adelina and Carl. Who, I'd like to point out, Ray promised was like his most loyal and best man. (laughs) Ray sucks at his job. Literally says it in the book. My most yeah. trusted like, guy, Adelina, being like, "Oh yeah, we uh, we caught that guy who tried to kill you, or the girl. I'm sorry, who tried to kill you, Zane. And uh, don't worry, Bubby, you don't have to look at the body. It's very dangerous. You just go talk to your hawk queen. Like I believe that Adelina gets away with that because she's the fucking captain of the guard. Right. Ray has no fucking excuse. Okay, so the bottom of two thirty nine. Yep. I got it. So uh, both assassins' hands were bound behind their backs. Erica was holding Carl's wrists and Albe held Adelina. Mind you, we have four named characters in this book who could potentially be the assassin. Those were them. And that that's them. Anyway. <laughs> the guards' expressions were carefully blank as they detained their own people and, in Albe's case, his own sister. She wasn't supposed to hurt you. Shut up. They don't care. I was trying to protect my Tulithia. I knew that they couldn't be trusted. You're guilty of treason. No one cares why. I care, Zane disagreed. I care why you killed my mother and tried to kill my mate. It wasn't supposed to be poisoned. He gave me the bolt, an avian bolt, so they would be blamed. The poison was supposed to be weak, just enough to look like someone was trying to harm Charis without actually doing it. And you weren't supposed to hit my Tulithia. You nearly killed her. I was trying to. It was only a mistake I didn't. I saw my Diente, the man I loved, honoring his vows, no matter how cold and miserable they left him. Would someone just kill her and get it over with? I should have skinned you when I first found you in the palace. You were stupid enough to slice open your own naga? I should have known you were too stupid to- I was stupid to think a snake would keep her word. You lied to your own king. Why did I think you wouldn't lie to me? Enough. Both quieted abruptly at Zane's shout. 
Carl, you were the one who cut Zanica. My God. <laughs> Carl, did you cut Zanica? Who is she? Carl, you were the one who cut Danica? Trying to kill you, sir. Uh, Zane turned to Adelina. You lied to me about Carl? Yes, sir. You tried to kill my mate in the sinkhole and in the process killed my mother? The poison wasn't supposed to be- Yes or no, Adelina? Yes. And I'm aware that it's a death sentence. Accident or not, I would impose a sentence upon myself for your mother's death. I only wanted to, to make sure he was also caught before he could further defend his naga by trying to kill you again. And that is how we find out who the villain of this book was, why they were doing what they were supposed to be doing, and why it wasn't immediately apparent that it was an avian or serpiente assassin. Yeah, yeah. Adelina got a guilty conscience and turned them both in. Because that's how little the fucking politics matters. Right? And then they just argue exposition for Ooh. a whole scene so that you can have your fucking questions answered. Okay, but I'd like to point out that was like three pages of them explaining the the secret behind the scenes plot, which is more than we get on uh, Zane and Danica's love confession, <laughs> which is a page. Not even a page. I lifted my face to meet the kiss, wanting the comfort of his touch as much as I was willing to provide the comfort of mine. The contact was sweet and soft, yet at the same time desperate. It was Zane who pulled away first. Danica, I think... He trailed off and kissed me again, this time briefly, just the barest touch of lips to lips. I love you. From a man who frequently uttered eloquent speeches, the tentative declaration was not the most flattering of compliments, especially when every movement he made and look he cast my way had shown the truth long before now. But, coming from the serpent who had once informed me that he did not love me and did not think he ever could, whose cool, polished words could cut to the bone and freeze the earth's molten blood, whose eyes right now were just a bit dazed, and whose expression was as open and startled as I had ever seen it, the words were more than enough. I know, I answered, then soft but certain. I answered, I love you too. His smile matched mine and said the same as mine. I know. Okay, so like also reading that out loud, I answered, I answered, I know, I know, matched mine, same as mine. Like, I'm sorry, th this, I need, I need to edit. <laughs> Get out your pants, Ollie, quick. <laughs> actually looking at it right so the last page it's one yeah it's like less than one page of of them being like i think i love you i know i love you too it also happens immediately after the thing that we just read oh yeah like what we just said there's half a page of zane being like andreos get them the fuck out of here before he's like mwah, 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 danica i think i love you Right? And it's such a weird tonal shift. We don't know what happens to them. You don't know what happened to them. You don't even get a break between the killer's confession and then like some time for the two of them to decompress and be like, wow, I can't believe that happened. Well, our relationship is still strong enough. We're going to survive and we're going to, you know, keep this peace going. Yeah. No, it's literally just Ray, get them out of here. Danica, I love you. I, think I love you fucking whiplash and then the book just ends and it's just like ends. it's just like i wish for you peace what where what where did that a where did that come from b what was this book about <laughs> what was this book about 
Because even the romance that it is actually, you know, supposed to be about, because it's definitely trying to be enemies to lovers, and I would have liked it to be enemies to friends. It's not because it's bogged down in the mystery of who tried to attack you. Even that is the first assassination attempt is very far into the book. Well, no, what I mean is, I'm sorry, let me let me rephrase that. The climax is bogged down. Yes. Because nothing happens. It's very weird. We Last time we discussed this, and, and I still think it's true, this book needs a bigger page count. Yeah. The things that get passed over in montage are so important to the development of the relationship. They really are. There's a scene where, um, or at least a mention of Danica having mostly spent time with Irene, the sister, and Charis, the, the mother. And I would have liked to have seen that. Even just, I looked forward to going back and seeing them. I was fast becoming friends with them. You know, like, I'm used to hanging out with other women or something. Right. And and then the scenes that get fast forwarded through of like the the rebellion, like Erica's dad is one of the people who are leading that. And given the way that Erica's introduced, you would think that that would be important, but it's not. And it doesn't come to anything except to sort of make Erica a red herring for a assassin. Herring, yeah. Because, you know, a week ago, my dad would have been hailed as a hero lost in the war. And now he's a traitor. Right. And But that's just, all of that's just so glossed over. Yeah. So yeah, you need a bigger page count. You need more time to expand on the characters and their relationships. Most importantly for me, though, you need to write Danica some kind of feelings towards Zane. Right. If this is going to be what it is, and, and I think that's it too. Like, I think this book was probably written... I mean, we've discussed how how and when it was written, right? Like, mm-hmm. we've discussed um, in the past that this was written and things got changed after 9-11 um, for the author. But because that got in there, mm-hmm. you ended up with, like, two stories happening. And so, therefore, neither story got to appropriately be on display. And, and so Danica could absolutely have been this ace princess and and not have had that be like an ice queen, you know, mm-hmm. terrible trope that people get thrown in. Um, you know, she could have just been ace and been like, I'm not really interested in sex. That's fine. I can fall in love with you, but I'd like to fall in trust with you first. You know, maybe she's Demi or something like that. That's fine. But, you know, this was 20 years ago, so that's still difficult. Um, but more to the point, you could have had her not in a romance. Or you could have doubled down and been like, it's a fucking romance. The politics is all just window dressing. Right. But Danica doesn't have those feelings. And the book thinks that we're supposed to just accept that she does. There's so much of this story that is told to us and not shown. And I know that that is a criticism. It's not always true and not always what you're looking for. But for this book, where we really need to see Danica feeling these emotions, feeling any emotions, honestly, because 95% of the time, Danica will just say, I was feeling sad. I was feeling disappointed. But they never really hit home because Danica doesn't really display them. They say about the avians, like the avians say, oh, they, we have reserve, etc., etc. And and they do have reserve, but it seems mostly for strong negative emotions. Mm-hmm. Um, I know when we, again, when we chatted before, um, I talked about how I really appreciate that the avians are like, if I give in to grief, mm-hmm. I will never stop and I won't live. And 
seeing in in reading this that it's not that Danica has no emotions. She has happy emotions. Mm-hmm. You know, she's happy to see her her friend Eleanor, things like that. It's that they pull themselves back and they calm themselves. Mm-hmm. I would love to be able to say, oh, Danica doesn't have the emotion of poor sexy because she's avian. No, I think she doesn't have those emotions because she just doesn't have those. Mm-hmm. She's not internally feeling fucking randy yeah (laughs) where she will internally feel you know good or sad like she'll tell us she'll be like oh i had to pull on my reserve etc etc she's never like oh my god i just want to jump zane but instead i pull on my avian reserve Mm -hmm. and i don't think about those arms (laughs) like no she doesn't give a fuck and if this is meant to be a romance (laughs) then she really needs to or at least, like, if it's not going to be a, a sex mance, she needs to want to romance him and be romanced by him. Yes, I agree like, with that. Like, do anything. Like, have have the avians have a thing that, you know, oh, the, the gals often will give their, their Alistair a particular token of their appreciation to show that they're like, I like you. And, like, we see the, the Serpiente culture so, so, so much. Like, there's so much depth to the culture, even though... We get the feeling, uh, I think in this book and maybe also in the next one, Mm -hmm. that the two cultures are not that different in ages. Mm -hmm. The avians don't have a lot of culture. They're like, oh, we've got a festival going on. Okay. But then you've got like the fucking dancers and the, they call it the Sakri, but it is like prophecy weaving through dance. Like there's a lot in the serpents and there's not a lot in the birds. Well, and that's because... They spend so much more time in the serpent's, like, palace, where Danica has a lot of experiences of, like, you know, learning, getting to know the dancers, learning the dances, going to the market and stuff. But we never see scenes like that in Hawk's Keep, where she does that with Zane. Loved to have seen, oh, Zane is down watching our metalsmiths, and one of them is going to teach him our ancient ways of, you know, doing chain mail or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like, show me Zane learning things. Have him, you know, um, so there was a moment in the, the Namirda where a someone gives Danica a silk scarf. It's called a, a, a melos or a melos, I can't remember. And Zane's like, oh shit, she doesn't need that. And then she's like, haha, I've been practicing. And he's like, what? But the 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 melos is a thing that is given to people. Why isn't there something that could be given to Zane for Danica to like prove her affection towards him, even if she's like, I can't can't say it because like <laughs> I don't want to say those words. I'm gonna blush. <laughs> there should be a way for her to convey to us and to Zane that she's like. I am your queen and your wife, and someday I would like to fuck. <laughs> right, a way that is not just acquiescing to Zane kissing or touching <laughs> or sleeping with her. There's no reason to tell him to stop hugging me, I guess. I would love to to see, like you said, scenes of Zane, you know, in the market. Zane displaying any sort of effort to get to know Danica's culture, because really the only interactions that we see with Zane and Danica's culture is, well, culture in finger quotes, is Zane um, struggling not to like get physical with her mom because she accused him of maybe being a rapist. And, and by physical, we mean like hit her. <laughs> right. And there's one scene of them like having lunch or something, but it's Zane being moody and Danica trying to figure out why. 
Yeah, there's a lot of, like, navigating Zane's weird-ass mood. Yes, it's a 95% that. It's, like, trying to figure out why Zane's upset and then trying to make Zane not feel upset because of his blue balls. Uh, I just, he's a pain in the ass, and I don't like him, and I don't like him as a, as a romantic lead. I just wish that there was more. I wish we saw more from him, because he the only effort he makes is not forcing Danica. Yeah. Oh, I just remembered a thing that pissed me off last time we talked. When Zane is like, oh, uh, no lamb seller, man who is trying to give my my wife some meat, she's vegetarian, I will just say, "Mm, no, 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 it's okay, we've got a big meal. And then he's like, why are you vegetarian? And she's like, "Mm, just never got a taste for it. You know, my grandmother wasn't into it. So like, that's just a thing. And Zane is like, well, shit, son, if it's not a personal or religious reason, you understand I have to make you try this now. Right. And he does. And he makes her try the lamb. And it's such a it's such a weird moment because it feels like this meta sense of like, everyone should eat meat <laughs> if they have no real reason for it. Like, and a personal reason doesn't matter. Like, just the the way her tasting the meat is described, she's like, mmm, it's so delicious. And I'm like, that is not how it fucking goes. When you don't know what meat tastes like, I have heard so many stories from people who were like, I didn't eat meat and then I tried it and it was gross. <laughs> and I just, I hate that he doesn't take, I just don't want to, as a good enough excuse for anything except for I don't want to fuck. Literal sex, yeah. Because they're, like you mentioned uh, last time we talked, that Zane didn't really pay attention to Danica's, like, consent for other things. So I watched for that this time. And you Mm -hmm. are correct. Like, Mm -hmm. even before they are committed to each other in terms of, like, we are going to get married to keep this war from happening, he kisses her, like, in front of her guards, literally just to make them mad. Yeah. Um, it's not anything about Danica. It's about him pissing off her guards. And he touches her even though he he knows because he tells us later that he knows that Avians aren't uh, used to like touching like that. I wish that when he did that, he went, oh, I'm so sorry. It's just yes. I'm so used to it. Like when someone gets like, not necessarily misgender, but like you, you use the wrong pronoun, mm-hmm. right? You don't just keep doing it. Mm-hmm. You go, oops, I mean they. Right. And, and then you don't, you know, when somebody else uses the wrong pronoun, then go, oh, no, no, it's it's they. But then you keep using the wrong pronoun in private. like <laughs> Right. But instead, he's like, I will touch you and not even think about it. It's like, just fucking think about it. Show to us you think about anyone beyond yourself, you fucking asshole. <laughs> I would. And then you would get a feeling of capitulation from Zane's side where he's like, oh, no, I'm I'm restraining, you know, my normal, like, touchy feeliness to make you comfortable. And then you would get a sense of fucking effort from him and not yeah. just being told that he's real sad about not fucking. Like, yeah, because that seems to be the main point and focus of him. Like, it, it feels it feels like a disservice to dudes. That Zane is so all about that dick. <laughs> right. It's like, do you not know that, like, he could decide to just respect you? And he could, instead of, like, making out with Adelina in a corner, just, like, go off and fuck her and stuff? Like, that's okay. You don't have to, like, run into the making out. You never promised not to not to do anything with anyone else. You checked the vows. <laughs> right? Fidelity was not in there. Yeah. 
Just protect her. Well, if I have to protect her from her feelings about me, then uh, we're screwed. Yeah. It's very frustrating. Like, there's a lot of stuff where with just more development, it feels like it could have been better. That being said, the the failure of the romance is a big problem with this because as we've discussed, it is mostly a romance novel. Um, So you really got to succeed at that. Otherwise, why are we here? Right. She's not a badass chick hunting vampires. Right. Exactly. But side two of that is that the politics are really idealized. Yeah. As as we said, it tries to be a romance. It tries to be a fantasy politics. Neither of them lands. Right. And from a political perspective, for me, the problem here is that this world and these characters and this political system, as we've you know briefly discussed, like... There's no intrigue here. Yes. Which feels not real. <laughs> um, Absolutely. I will I will say that maybe that's just because that's what I've been trained to expect from political like fantasy novels. But also, I do feel like in real life, people have different agendas that do not always line up with what the upper class wants. Yeah. And then also the idea that they're fighting for no reason, like they're not fighting over land, oh, they're not yeah. fighting over resources, they're literally Nobody just- knows why the war began, right? Like, and they, it's clear that they're like a two days ride apart from each other. Mm-hmm. Not even two, a single day. What, a single day? It's a single day to get from the keep to the palace. Oh my god, this is ridiculous. Right. And we we aren't told like, oh, there's a big sprawling village and we're trying to expand. No, because there's three to five hundred people, which again, that's a big difference, the number three to five hundred. <laughs> it's not like, you know, about three hundred. Like just say there's five hundred people in the fucking sinkhole. Just say it. Um, but it's not like they're trying to expand. It's not like, oh, the snakes are going to take over our territory. We're going to have nowhere, blah, blah, blah. Or, oh, we're trying to, the avians want the serpent's gem mine. Like, Mm -hmm. no, they don't want anything. There's just this blood war. It's just the fucking Hatfields and the McCoys. Right. And like you said, if it were just a Romeo and Juliet, Hatfield and McCoy thing, then you need to scale it down. And make it more intimate and make it more vengeful. Like Danica keeps talking about how tired of the war that she war she is, and Zane says the same thing. And there's no like bloodlust from anybody. It's just like we're doing this war because we're obligated to, I guess. Well, son, my father did the war and his father before him, and now I pass this war to you. Even if the idea were that the people had that bloodlust. I mean, that would be classist and kind of shitty, but at least it would be... I mean, but this whole book is classist. Well, yeah. But at least there would be some... Like, there was political pressure on Danica to keep sure, fighting the yeah. serpents because otherwise her people will rebel. That's If she something. was like, I don't want to do this anymore, and they were like, well, good fucking luck getting them to, like, put down their swords and turn them into plowshares. Right? But that's not the case. Like, Zane just dresses people down and they're on his side. Right? Like, when he announces her as his naga, as his queen, he's just like, do you have a fucking problem? You can go out and find your own beautiful hawk if you want. And people are like, la la la, that's Zane. I also will follow you now, sir. I guess our fucking thousands of years long war is over. I'm cool with this. Yeah. It has been... So at the beginning of the book, there's a family tree. And Alistair, who was the first hawk, with a D, not a T, friends, (laughs) was born in... 2884 BCE and Danica is born in 724. It's been over 2000 years. 
Alistair didn't have like a fucking clutch of kids. Mm-hmm. She died young. Uh, how are they all still around? Like, if this was, we've been having this war for the past four generations. Okay. But no, it's 2,000 years. How are you all still here? Right. How are you all still here? How are you all still fighting? How have we not er accidentally eradicated one line of any of the snakes or birds? Because there's different types, right? Like, how do we still have, I don't know, Burmese pythons? Mm -hmm. Also, Danica mentions that the hawks and presumably the snakes can be long-lived, but she also explicitly says that that hasn't been the case because people keep dying young in the war. So it's not like it's the same people fighting the same war the way it would be if it were like the falcons. Right, right. And then there's that too. It's like, oh, we can be extremely long-lived. But how would you even know that if you've been at war for 2,000 years since the beginning of your species? This doesn't make any sense. There's lots of there's lots of holes in this, this conversation here, right? So your first queen got murdered. Did you then, like, protect the other one for 300 years and found, hey, I guess we can survive a long time. But then, like, lately everyone's been dying real quickly. Like, it would be interesting to be like, oh, we used to survive longer. You know, this war's been going on for 2,000 years since the first hawk. Except, of course, that, you know, Danica treats the first hawk like a goddamn myth and not a reality. Mm -hmm. Which it is a reality, as we find out in book two. Um, If it was, like, but then human weapons. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, like, if there was some reason, if there was some turning of the tide for why lately we all live to be about, like, 40, 50, if we're lucky. (laughs) I mean, that's also the thing. Like, the reason that the Tulithia and, you know, her heirs keep dying is because they keep going out into the fucking battlefield. Right? Literally, the first chapter, the, like, prologue is two fucking princes from the different sides getting killed. (laughs) And, like, one's 15 and one's 16. Like, why are you sending your fucking children out there in the wars? Where are your generals? Why are you letting them do this? Right? This is why your heirs keep dying, because you keep putting them on the front lines. I just couldn't stop him. He wanted to go out and kill himself a snake, I guess. It's ridiculous. This is no way to run a kingdom. (laughs) Plus, and then also the fact that, like, no one is doing anything for the wrong reason. Mm-hmm. Everyone is in the right. Nobody could possibly be a problem. And we've seen this in previous books, too, by this author, that, like, when the author likes a character, they're not going to die. They're not at risk. Mm-hmm. And they're not. In this this book, where you're trying to make a point about both sides, guys, you're going to go to great lengths to create a world where... The Avians and the Serpiente can be at war for thousands of years, but neither of them can be morally completely in the wrong. Right. No one's done everything, anything terrible. There was that one time where Danica's dad got like a fake letter (laughs) and like he died and his sister died. But like that wasn't a war crime. Right. I think the worst thing that anybody in this book does, as far as it's been mentioned, is that some avian soldiers killed a lady while she was pregnant yeah that's like the most horrifying and like there is something to be said to hey do you want to just have a fantasy that is a fantasy war and there's not real stakes we're just told there are real stakes Mm -hmm. but like ultimately it's about two characters uh becoming enemies to lovers Mm -hmm. like fine except that that's not even this book Right. And and that we have a, a whole series where we will continue to like explore the politics of this world. And, you know, we'll, we will ultimately be shown that the snakes and the hawks are victims of the falcons. 
They're the victims in all of this 2,000-year war. But even then, it really feels like the Falcons just instigated the war. Like, the Falcons, aside from providing the Hawks with their poison, it doesn't mm-hmm. feel like they've had a big hand in keeping this war going for a 1,000 years or 2,000 years. Yeah, no, it, it, they were just like, what if we designed a type of people who were just never possibly going to be able to work together because their cultures are too different. One wants to fuck and one doesn't. That <laughs> Square nipples, triangle nipples. <laughs> it just feels so ridiculous. It doesn't feel grounded in anything that would happen in reality. Like, yeah. obviously wars happen for different reasons. But, you know, there's a reason. And also, at some point, someone subjugates the other one, usually. Also that. You know, so it's like either you kill everybody... You subjugate them and assimilate them and get rid of their culture. Or maybe you're like, okay, now we're not fighting. And if you fight, I will murder you and you can keep being your culture. That's fine. But like, I don't know, pay us some fucking taxes. Give me soldiers for my continuous war. I'm going to go fight the Falcons. Right. But being at a stalemate for 2000 years is just unbearably ridiculous. (laughs) It's stretching it a little bit. And especially as we learn in later books, there are other cultures nearby. People who they could hire to be assassins and shit. But it's treated like it is in its own little bubble, and the fact that humans even exist feels fucking weird. Oh, I did just think of some internal strife in the Serpiente Empire between the Vipers and the... Oh, yeah. The Cobrianas. Because they should be in charge. So... That's something. Except that we're told that Albi and Adelina are the first ones to be brought into the palace in generations. Uh, That Charis was the one who brought them in. And then we fucking execute, we assume, we execute Adelina. So there's just Albi. Right. And also that this is never a threat to the stability of the kingdom. Like it's like Adelina is, but it's personal. And what would have fucking happened if Adelina and Zane had ended up as king and queen, would the Falcon step in then? Right? So something in this series is that like certain types of shapeshifters will, when they have kids, uh, the shapeshifter will like overpower another shapeshifter gene. Mm-hmm. And because it's important, certain snakes and certain birds, they don't overpower each other. They just mix appropriately because the Falcons were like, rip, right? Right. And the Vipers are another one that, like, is very high up there. So if Zane and Adelina had a kid, it might have been a Viper. And then everyone would have to deal with the fact that it's like, oh, shit, we thought that, like, the Cobra was the top dog. But I can't remember. It might be that they would have been like, I am a Cobra and a Viper. I don't remember. (laughs) I have white blonde hair and red eyes. Oh, God, please no. So the world building doesn't really work for me personally. Sorry. I just, I need it to, I don't know. Like you said, it's super idealized. And obviously that worked for me as as a, as a kid and no, no shade if, if it's still something that, you know, people enjoy. Right. But I hope people will reread it with these thoughts in mind that it's like, it's not a healthy relationship. Right. And also, you know, the author was 17, 18 when she, when it was written. So like, it is literally a kid's opinion of war. Right. And then a kid trying to address hatred of the other in a way that is not grounded in the reality of why people hate each other. It's a very sticky portrayal of that. When you are a white kid from the suburbs of Massachusetts, war exists, but not personally. Yeah, just theoretically. Falcons and snakes. Yeah. 
you have to be able to look at these kinds of stories from that perspective as well. It's hard to detach the creator some of the time. Well, particularly here, you know, this is the sort of story that I don't think would come from somebody with different experiences. Yeah. Somebody else would write a different story. Somebody else might just write a romance. Somebody else might write a political intrigue novel. Somebody else might write more complicated and nuanced politics. Yeah. I would be intrigued to see where Atwater Rhodes would write a political novel these days. But I don't know. I would have to... We'll have to see if we want to try reading the Manser books. Yeah, we'll we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Yep, they're bigger, which, you know, as we discussed with this one, this one needed a larger page count, so maybe that would help. Mm-hmm. Um, there's only three of them, so, like, maybe that would help. Mm-hmm. We'll see. Yep. Well, I, I am, I don't know if looking forward to, but rather I, I'm going to watch as we move forward. Mm-hmm. There we go for this idea of because they're all labeled romances i think Mm -hmm. if there's any romance if anybody ever actually romances anybody Mm -hmm. and reciprocates like because even in past books that we have read it often felt like the character who was the perspective character never never got hot for anybody Mm -hmm. And just sort of, like, accepted romance thrown at them or sex thrown at them, etc. So I'm I'm personally keeping my eye on that. It'll certainly be interesting to see Zane from his own perspective, where from Danica's perspective, he was constantly rocking that boner. Right? He was like, oh, Danica, you need to leave because if you stay here tonight, neither of us is getting any sleep. You know what I mean? Eyebrow waggle. Chick-a-pow. So, would you recommend these to people? <sighs> I want to reserve judgment and see how the rest of the series plays out because I am somebody who judges things very strongly by their endings. Like if the ending, you know, we get there and you, with the ending, you tell me like what your themes were, what your book was about. Like, and if, if your ending doesn't do that, then I'm Mm -hmm. sort of adrift. Like, what am I supposed to make of this thing? (laughs) What did I just read? So... I feel like this is not an ending. Yeah, I used to say that this was a really good standalone. It's not. No, it's absolutely not a good standalone because it doesn't have an ending. So I will reserve judgment until we get to the end of this fucking book. Mm -hmm. And interestingly, I feel like Snake Charm should be the ending of this book, but I don't think it is. (laughs) I guess we'll see. We'll fucking see. I wouldn't recommend this book to anyone who hadn't previously read this book. Mm -hmm. I absolutely encourage anyone who has read this book to reread this book with a lot of what we've talked about in mind and like tell me we're wrong sure and also it's still okay for you to like it it's fine absolutely right again we watched the fucking blood and chocolate movie and we were pissed that it wasn't the book (laughs) it's okay to like things that other people have critiques on and also if someone wants to pass these books on to someone who is like 12 13 14 Maybe the only conversation you'd have to fucking content warn is to be like, so before you read these books, I want you to just, let's just talk about trauma bonding. (laughs) Let's talk about enthusiastic consent. Yeah. Enthusiastic consent and trauma bonding are the two worst things that happen in this book as far as like why I wouldn't give it to a kid. Mm -hmm. But if the kid knew that you don't have to just like, no reason not to kiss this boy, then it's not going to hurt them. All right. Well, thanks for listening to the podcast. 
And you can find us on Twitter. Uh, the podcast is at Backlist Podcast. I'm over there at Olivia Hennis. How about you? I am on Twitter at Endless underscore Run. Uh, and you can also find us on Patreon, patreon.com slash Backlist and Chill. Uh, we want to thank all of our patrons as usual. You Yay. guys are great. We really appreciate it. Yay. Thank you for being here with us. Mm-hmm. Two years of this. I, I appreciate it. It's been it's been a fun time. It has been fun. So thanks for listening. Next time you hear from us, it will be 2021. So I hope everyone has a safe series of holidays and Happy New Year. Yep. Happy New Year. All right. Bye. We love you. Bye.